Welcome back to The Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. If you continue to love what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating and review. It really keeps us alive out here. Let's get in there. Today, we are going to talk to someone who is deep in the area of conscious leadership. I wanted to prioritize this conversation for the Me Sweet listeners because this is a book that I see out of every corner of my eye when I am visiting clients in their work locations. Some of you may be aware of the book called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Today's guest is Clay Steltzer, and he is the CEO and founder of 1560, and he is a deep practitioner, wakes up every single day helping to coach and train leaders on conscious leadership. We're going to start this interview where we start everywhere in the me suite with core values. Let's give a warm welcome to Clay. Thank you so much, Don. I appreciate the uh, introduction. And I'm excited to share my values, and a lot of them are really connected to this idea of conscious leadership. As you mentioned, I kind of live and breathe this stuff, and so they really are my values. And so the first one is, if you have something scary to say, say it. Okay. (laughs) That's a value I hold. uh, When I play uh, that game with the people I care about around me, I just can quickly eliminate any barriers to connection. Mm. which is just a really rewarding way for me to live. So that's the first value I live by. Okay, I love it. The second one is really core to conscious leadership. It's taking responsibility for the outcomes in your life. Mm. And what that means is waking up should you be in a victim consciousness where you see that everything is happening to you, Mm -hmm. shifting into this creator consciousness where I can see how I am manifesting all of the outcomes I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. I love to ask myself, how have I created this? Okay. Accountability. Accountability, yeah. And the third one, I think really what makes that second value work is having compassion. Okay. So uh, self-compassion is my third value that I live by every day. Mm-hmm. You know, when I realize that I am a human being mm-hmm. that is biologically designed first and foremost to stay alive in this world, and sometimes that leads to some reactive behavior, mm. I can take a breath, I can pause, I can stop, I can give myself a little self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, I can choose how I want to move forward. And so that's all three of these things are daily practices for me and they're kind of at my core yeah so i had mentioned earlier the book 15 commitments of conscious leadership that title implies that there is such a thing called unconscious leadership which (laughs) i know is your area of specialization could you share a little with us about how you became a student and deep practitioner and now coach around conscious leadership But knowing that my real curiosity is what is unconscious leadership? (laughs) Yeah, well, I was uh, deeply unconscious many years ago. I (laughs) was kind of walking through life, creating a lot of misery for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I was anxious. So if you were to pull out a a spreadsheet of what most people think success is, I was doing a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. But when I got really honest with myself, I was just empty and exhausted. And I realized Mm -hmm. that while I thought my full-time job was being an innovation consultant, what was really true is that my full-time job was finding as many people around me to please as I possibly could. I was a full-time people pleaser. And that was this unconscious pattern Mm. I was trapped in that was leading me to results I was unhappy with. 
And so, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I had the great fortune of meeting the one of the authors of the book, The 15 Commitments, Jim Duthmer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim's a pretty special guy. Okay. <laughs> and he kind of opened my eyes to this other, this other way, mm. this other possibility of, again, recognizing when we're in a naturally reactive state, mm-hmm. waking up to our patterns offering ourselves some acceptance mm. and some compassion and then choosing what you want to create next. So I uh, have so much gratitude for Jim, for Diana, uh, for uh, Diana Chapman, one of the other authors. They're both the co-founders of the Conscious Leadership Group, mm-hmm. and uh, they're doing some incredible work and have absolutely helped me transform my life. It's amazing. And I love the word you used, patterns. I know in your practice, you coach a lot of leaders on finding new paradigms. You talk about uh, getting stuck in the drama. Can you say a little bit more about what are you seeing in leaders today around habits of what are they needing? What do you find leaders really needing right now? What are the themes popping out? Well, you know, uh, drama isn't new. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. I go into any organization and immediately I, I might see some gossiping. I might see some blaming. I might mm. see some, uh, you know, I go into lots of organizations and everyone says that they really value feedback, a culture of feedback. But it's is it really true that people are being incredibly candid with one another? Yeah. I don't see that happening quite right. naturally. So I see lots of these behaviors. Mm-hmm that are not happening because leaders don't mean well and don't want, you know, success for their organization and the people in the organization. But it happens again. It happens because we get scared. Okay. We get threatened by one another. And Mm -hmm. we have natural built-in behaviors to react to help ourselves feel better. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what's underneath all of the misbehavior or all of the, you know, all of the elements of teams that are a little bit clunky, it's always, in my experience, driven by something is threatening to one Uh and probably all of the people involved. And so when we talk about unconscious leadership, Mm -hmm. it's really uh, us all being driven by fear, making decisions from that mindset. Mm -hmm. And it leads us oftentimes further from the results we're actually wanting. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned what do leaders need most now, I mean, my gosh, are we living in a crazy world? Yeah. Everyone is much more on edge, in my experience, than they were 10 years ago or mm-hmm. even five years ago. I mean, the COVID and we have, you know, there's social unrest and political stuff and all kinds of, there's the, you know, people are leaving, there's the great resignation and quiet quitting and all these things going on right now. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for people leading organizations. And so, while there's a uh, a host of tricks and tips and techniques and things that might be helpful for leaders. I think what leaders need more than anything is an opportunity to meet with other trusted leaders Mm -hmm. in partnership where they can drop their leader persona and allow themselves to really be seen as a human being. Okay. I don't know if you were expecting that answer, but I got to tell you. I think that's what they need most. Okay, so let me ask questions about this. This is very provocative. Are you suggesting that these are leaders from different companies? So a leader from A would meet with leader B and meet with a leader from company C, 
and they might feel that less threatening because they're meeting with like-minded leaders, but from other non-competitive organizations? I think that's a fabulous, yes, I think that's incredibly helpful. Okay. I've seen lots of leaders doing that, being in some sort of group or forum where they can, you know, kind of address that idea that it's lonely at the top. Yeah. Where they don't have to hold up their leader persona because Mm -hmm. oftentimes they're scared of having people working underneath them see their own vulnerability or see their own, you know, uh, unease given this crazy world we're in right now. Yeah. They're human beings like all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you, you often hear that uh, the CEO is the loneliest position in the company. Do you believe that's yeah, exactly. true? Well, it doesn't have to be, but I think it is true for lots of leaders. Yeah. yeah. So how are you using the word leader in these contexts? <laughs> oh, uh, that's a fun discussion. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't need to get too specific about it, but um, I guess the way I think about leaders is really anyone that is managing a group of people. Okay. Now, I, I love playing with leaders of organizations, CEOs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. presidents, executives. But by the way, when we talk about anything really I talk about around these topics of conscious leadership, mm-hmm. you don't have to be any of those people. Mm-hmm. I think this stuff applies. If you have a heartbeat, this stuff applies to you. Yeah. Because all of us, if we strip away our titles and our mm-hmm. our careers, again, we're just human beings that are designed, first and foremost, to scan our environments looking for what's going to sink us. Mm-hmm. And when we're stuck in that mindset, we create outcomes that are less than ideal. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a couple of fun phrases I like to use. There's one that we use called sleepworking. Okay. And uh, most people at work... And when, if we're not at work, we're at life, we can be just in, on this hamster wheel where we're mm-hmm. just reacting. Mm-hmm. We're just navigating through life reacting. And we can call that sleepworking or mm-hmm. sleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. And this idea that you mentioned of just being intentional is the whole game in my book. That's yeah. the big, that's the big game that people can choose to play where you stop when you recognize that there is something that it feels threatening mm-hmm. and wake up to that, see what's underneath it, learn, stay curious. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, with that awareness, you can choose how you want to move forward rather than just simply reacting on autopilot. Yeah. So let's say that there's a listener and they're really intrigued by the difference between conscious leadership and unconscious leadership. How would I start to think about that conversation with myself? How would I start to think about, am I a conscious leader? What are my unconscious habits? Where do I start? Well, one, you know, one place you can start is just simply ask yourself, am I happy with the results I'm experiencing right now? Okay. Like, I don't know. What's it like managing your team? What's it like Mm. waking up every morning and doing what you do? Are you energized by that? Are you exhausted by it? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you operating in what we call your zone of genius where you're Mm. just in a state of flow or is thing, are things a struggle or is there lots of resistance? Now, if you recognize that there's certain areas that you feel some resistance to, you can get curious, how am I setting my life up in a way that's leading to that resistance? Mm -hmm. This is where the conscious piece turns up. Mm -hmm. What are the patterns that I probably learned a long time ago? How are those contributing to me saying yes to things that I might not be a yes to, Mm -hmm. or um, just going along to get along? Mm -hmm. There's lots of those unconscious patterns. We all have them. Mm So I would never say that someone is a conscious leader or an unconscious leader. Okay. We all have these tendencies mm-hmm. and we all 
get trapped every day and we all get reactive. But I think that the big difference, the big opportunity here is people that are playing this game called conscious leadership Mm -hmm. are really good at recognizing in the moment Mm. when they have fallen into a reactive state and then they stop and they do something about it rather than drifting away into drama. Okay. That's the game and opportunity that I'm talking about. Okay. I love this. This may even tie to why you call your organization 1560, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. So share with us, why is your organization called 1560 and how does it help with what you just described of just having consciousness of catching ourselves in that moment when we're sitting back on bad habits? When I was creating the business, I wanted something that was, you know, kind of fun. I really like interesting brands, but something that was really meaningful and at the heart of what we do. And I learned that on average, adults take 15 breaths a minute. Okay. And so in my mind, given all of what we're just discussing, each of us has 15 opportunities every 60 seconds to stop Mm. and wake up. Okay. And so, and that's really the threat in everything we do. And we love to help people begin to see themselves and to learn to recognize when they're in a threatened state so they don't go make a mess with Mm -hmm. people in their lives. Okay. So teach me what that would look like in the moment. Yeah. For me, part of this uh, practice is learning about how your body reacts in certain moments. So if I notice on any particular day, gosh, there's tightness in my throat or my back, what's going on? That Mm. probably is indicating to me that I'm threatened in some way. Or if I'm noticing that I'm wanting to blame someone or I'm wanting Mm. to check out or I'm wanting to gossip, Mm. those are all indicators to me that there must be something that I feel threatened by. Okay. Stop for a minute and get clear about what's going on. Okay. So we can look at our bodies, we can look at our emotions, we can look at the thoughts we're having. And if we're willing to be curious and playful, we can learn from all of that. Yeah. I really like these examples. I I was pulling up one of my own. Uh, There is a person in my life that whenever I see an email from the person pop into my inbox, Ah. it changes me physically. I can feel it. And I have to ask myself, Donna, do you really want to open that email right now? Or do you want to wait until in the morning? Because if you open it now, you're probably not going to sleep very well. Yeah. Is that an example of having just a more heightened sense of awareness of how your environment is, how you are reacting to your environment? That is a perfect example. Okay. If I'm you, if I see an email or a phone call or a text from Mm -hmm. someone and I notice that my body contracts. Yeah. Yeah. What? So there's some dissonance. There's some, uh, there's some disconnect between me and the other person. And Mm -hmm. I can begin from that point to get curious. What is that? Mm -hmm. What hasn't been said that needs to be said with that other person? Okay. Or... What do I sense is being threatened right now? And the motto we use is there's generally, you know, whenever we're in that threatened state, there's three things, one, two, or three things are threatened. Either I'm perceiving that my security is threatened, Mm -hmm. my approval is threatened, Mm -hmm. or my control is threatened. Okay. I can, I mean, it's been many years since I've been playing with this stuff. And whenever I have someone like you that is noticing this constriction when they consider another person, mm-hmm. I would start to poke around and ask questions around how might you believing that that person is a threat? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So walk me through again, the 1560. If you have given me some heightened self-awareness 
You've given me some tips for being more self-aware about my reactions to an environment. Yeah. yeah. And I'm starting to sense it. I then what? I stop and breathe and do some mindfulness for a minute. What do I do? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's kind of four steps that we play with. Mm-hmm. The first is simply locate yourself. Where am I? Am I in a reactive state or am I in a safe state? Okay. I'm in a reactive state. I want to go to the second step, which is inquiry. It's getting clear about what do I sense is threatened right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's, I'm believing that my security, my approval, or my control are threatened in some way. Yeah. So once I understand that, I can see, well, how am I naturally reacting? I'm probably blaming or gossiping or checking out or or doing something as my way of taking care of myself. Uh So with now the lights are on, I see myself. Okay. Third step is acceptance. It's saying, gosh, now that I see that I've just been a human being and I created a little bit of mess with my, you know, the lights off, mm-hmm. can I just give myself a breath of acceptance? <clears throat> and then from that place, from a bit of acceptance, you can then begin to ask, what would I be willing to do differently now? Okay. And you may not always be willing to break the pattern. It may be too scary. You may be too reactive. But oftentimes you are. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I see what I've done. And what I'm willing to do now is clean up whatever impact I created. I can take responsibility for having created some outcome from just simply being Mm -hmm. feeling threatened in some way. And if it has to do with another person, one obvious next step might be, would I be willing to reveal all of that to the other person so I can get back into relationship? Not dumping on them, but sharing with them how I created this. And how much I care about my connection with the other person. Right. So I'm going to reveal to you an experience I just had about 30 seconds ago. Oh, cool. When you were describing the four steps, uh, locate, inquiry, acceptance, and then are you willing to do something different? When you got to the stage of the taking the deep breath, yeah, you in the moment just right now practiced and gave an example of taking the deep breath and you slowed down and you inhaled and exhaled. Yeah, I got to tell you, that felt like an eternity to me, <laughs> right? Which I think says a lot, right? About yeah. how how much how much I probably need to be slowing down, stopping, take the moment because it was a micro of a second. Yeah, but when you did it, I. It felt like a really long time, and I felt yeah. I almost wanted to rush in and interrupt you because it felt like an eternity. Yeah. So I, I think well, that that's, you know, yeah. I'll tell you that, I mean, this process isn't the most natural process. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't wake up or we don't grow up as humans uh, and just naturally, mm-hmm. we're just not good at this. So it, yeah. it requires a little bit of work. It requires yeah. a little bit of practice. And then through that practice, for me, it's just muscle memory. It's just in my bones right. now. I understand that completely. So have you had a chance to give some thought to the Me Sweet Sweetener? I think you could have a thousand uh, things that we could start doing differently on Monday. Yeah. So I this was, uh, yeah, thinking about this and thinking about the sweet, it's probably the hardest part of when I was sitting with what I wanted to share today. This is probably the hardest part. Mm. But there's a thousand, as I mentioned, tricks and tips and things that I can recommend people do, but I don't think we need to overthink this here. Okay. And if you care about someone, here's the sweetener. If you care about someone and you sense that there's some disconnection you're experiencing with them, uh-huh. would you be willing to share that with them? Okay. 
Would you be willing to see how you're creating that disconnection with some curiosity and then reveal that with the other person? Mm. Now, you don't need to make this a huge ordeal. Pick someone that you trust, someone that you care about, and someone that you want to be in relationship with. Mm -hmm. Identify what might be in the way. And would you be willing, in the spirit of connectivity, connection, caring, Mm. do the scary thing by saying what's needed as a means to really get into a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. This is very powerful. I also love that in the book that you now coach others on, 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, the word is commitments. Yeah, It's not 15 behaviors. It's not 15 traits. It's 15 commitments. Yeah, And I see this as a commitment that you've just described, right? Just to find someone you care about, where you have a disconnection that you want to improve, and be intentional about making a commitment to move it. Yeah. Well, what I've learned from the folks uh, at, within the Conscious Leadership Group, mm-hmm. they have this really beautiful way of talking about commitments mm-hmm. that is generally foreign to most people at, at the beginning. Okay. So most people, when they talk about what they're committed to in life, they talk about what they're wanting. Okay. Like, like I'm committed to losing 15 pounds in the next three months. Mm. But in my book, and I think in their book, I don't want to speak for them, but what I've learned or taken away from them is what we're actually committed to are the results we're experiencing. Mm. Okay. So, you know, I say that I'm committed to losing 15 pounds over the next three months, but what might be really true is that I'm unconsciously committed to skipping the gym each morning because I don't want to get out of bed. Okay. That's what I'm committed to. Okay. Like for me, for many, many years, I've been deeply unconsciously committed to exhausting myself by trying to win others' approval. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I mean, that's really, I've created that exhaustion all by myself. Mm-hmm by trying to ensure others felt a certain way about me. And so that's what I was committed to. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It can be a real bitter pill to swallow, by the way. Mm-hmm. I hear it. When we first wake up to that. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, once we can wake up to that, take responsibility and then offer ourselves some acceptance, that's the road to empowerment. That's the road mm-hmm. to creating change in your life and really transforming out of your old patterns. Yeah. It's just a really a joy to get inside your head a little bit today. Thank you very much for joining us in the Me Suite, Clay. My gosh, it's been a blast uh, chatting with you, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. For more information about our executive and career coaching services, check out the links in the show notes. And remember, your reviews really make a difference.